another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit TheaterTheNow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. Did you miss me giving theatrical criticism? Well, Drag Race All-Stars has brought me back into action as the queens were given the Herculean task to write an engaging monologue. Some brought you tears and some were just shit, literally. It's time to break down the latest episode of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 6. And joining me is someone who I'm confident could give you an entire show of embarrassing drag stories. It's my favorite twink, say yeehaw to Poison Envy. Howdy, everyone. I'm back. <laughs> you are back. How are you? you? You joined us for the preview podcast, and my, that felt like a year ago, but... It, it really wow. did. I haven't even, like, it's it's unreal how long this season feels, but, like, we'll get into this later, but it feels long, but I'm also kind of happy it does in some in some yeah. ways. <laughs> no, it, it's been a good season, because as we spoke about on that preview podcast, mm-hmm. this season had no stakes. The, it was some stars... We, the expectations were low and I think they've exceeded it because they have everyone in all honesty I'll say this right off the bat I do think everyone did what they needed to for all stars yeah yeah I, I agree um listeners this podcast is brought to you by Benadryl I am still feeling the effects of some allergies so if my energy level is at a different speed if I am a little loopy blame the drugs unsponsored unless Benadryl wants to give you money listen Benadryl you can give me money you can give me all the Benadryl because it does help you sleep it knocks you the fuck out damn um before we dive into all-star six I got some drag news of the week you ready yes we got some drag race UK guest judges but we have some a trio of new announcements that will be making appearances onto the show this week, it has been revealed that Jay Ravel, Charity Shop Sue, and Steps are going to be on Drag Race UK, and I am so excited. Um, if you know me, you know my obsession for the Western, my dance floor day, my obsession with Steps. I love Steps. I think Steps is what made me gay, but I'm not positive. I can't, I can't pinpoint it yet. <laughs> I love that for you. <laughs> are, are you familiar with Steps? Not really. No, I... Mm-mm. Well, you are, you are younger than I am. So th- they really f- first came out in like 97 with their pop album um, oh, see, around the I same the, time. Yeah, I have to stop you right Spice there. Girls. I was going to say it's pop. So like for me, yeah. like when I think about my childhood, it's 90s country. So there's a disconnect yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, their song five, six, seven, eight is a country pop dance mm-hmm. number. But yeah, um, they, they were, they're a huge um, UK band very iconic there they put out two new albums this year that are part one and part two um michelle visage is guest uh recording on one of the tracks which is why i think they're going to be on the show it said guest appearance i'm not assuming they're going to be on the panel which is upsetting to me but listen i am here for it anything to let me see steps i'm here 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm very excited for UK three, even though um, shortest reign ever for a queen. Yes. Well, let us discuss the SmackDown of it all. Yeah, let's let's get into it. We return to the SmackDown stage. Rue tells Silky and Eureka that they have already made Drag Race history as they inspire the world. Eureka is deemed the winner of the lip sync. She stays and rejoins the competition and Silky is eliminated. Rue does tell Silky she is legendary and sends her off before Silky does come back to the front of the stage and asks Rue if she's sure. She's sure. Because the producers told her so, she is sure. Please note how Charlie XCX is sort of kind of very uncomfortable with this whole thing, but hey, she's been there all day for filming. She did a a pre-episode SmackDown. She did the actual episode, and then she did the um, post-episode SmackDown. So she's had a long day. Also, the last two lip syncs were back-to-back. If you, because you see it's the same judging panel for the last two legacy lip syncs. So it was a little bit, it was an even longer day. Yeah, she had, a, she, she had a very, very, very long day. But um, a door has opened for Eureka. She is going in twirling. She's going to twirl her way to the crown. And I say, ugh, does she have to? Yeah, it was really hard because on the one hand, like I, the, that last lip sync was really weak in my opinion. Sure. Um, it was hard because on the one hand, I feel like Silky earned her way to get back in the competition by, in every other lip sync, for the most part, Silky really did do a really nice job. She did a bang up job. Like Eureka, like her wig was slipping. It was, it was hard because I do think Silky was extra sloppy that time around. Absolutely. And, and that's part of the thing that I spoke about last week was you can be an incredible lip syncer, but if you rely on props as your crutch, it's going to come back to bite you. And unfortunately for Silky, it came to bite her in the worst possible moment. Um, I think if she had either not done that reveal or stuck the reveal to perfection, she would have won, but it really was a gimmick that brought her down. And I say to people who rely on gimmicks, is this what you want your legacy to be? Because unfortunately we're going to talk about Silky being the slipstick assassin in the SmackDown who couldn't fulfill her destiny. And and the reason was not because of her talent, it was because of her decision to do a gimmick. Although I don't know if you know this, but on her Twitter, she actually brought up that the producers did not give her anything and that she had to hand make each of her props. I found out that fan sure. was made of an umbrella. Like it was made of a bunch of scraps that she just found Which lying around the studio. Great. Which but is great. But I really also good. say, Silky, why can't you do it on your own? Oh yeah, why can't you do it without the props? It, that, true, true. So that's my my thing. We're mm-hmm. moving on from the SmackDown. Will it return next season? I'm sure it will. I hope so. It was actually a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I will say. I, I do hope that they don't do it in this format. I do hope they do it more like Survivor where they do it at the end of each episode and maybe like reveal the winner the next week. Um, just because this format has been done, we know how it's going to act. Let's... It also felt like a filler episode. Yeah, absolutely. It sure did. Well, it is a new day. The OG Final Four come back, and they are dreading the inevitable. They are a week away from the finale, and Trinity was so stressed, she apparently dyed her hair pink. Yeah, when did she do that? (laughs) They must have had, like, a non-filming day in between, so she's like, I'm stressed. I'm going to be like all the other homos. My hair is doing a different color. It matched the outfit, though. She looked great. It did. She did. (laughs) She did look good. 
Kylie says, bring them all back because she's ready to do it all over again. Please know I have fatigue. I, I think let's just get this one over with and let's move on to more seasons. Yeah. Well, when you, how many more? <laughs> well, Trinity asked the table if they're all really okay with this after all of the endurance and hard work they put in. Ugh, the foreshadowing. Ginger isn't okay with it, but it is what it is. Raja says, yeah, it is what it is. Um, it's really interesting that it's Trinity who's speaking all this new into existence the past two episodes. It just seems so unfair, like she knew. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's also like in a way, because like Trinity does bring this up later in the episode that like she's not like, like stressed because of like the anxiety of failure. It's more so like I'm stressed because I actually did what I thought I was going to do season six. Yeah. Like I actually got close and like I can taste it. And so like, I really do feel for her. Like when you get to that point, it's like the stress isn't always like what you're capable of. A lot of the time it's, I didn't think I would get here. Exactly. Well, Rue comes in with her secret garden fantasy suit, ready to reveal the returning queen in an anticlimactic fashion. She shares it is Eureka. So basically this is just a reset week. Rue says that Eureka's redemption victory means it's still anybody's game. So that should have been clue number one, that no matter what she did in this challenge, she was going to the finale. Um, like she could literally take a shit on stage. Oh, wait. Um, yeah, watching it back, taking the notes, it, it almost felt like they all knew this was what the fate was going to be. Like they're not, they weren't going to waste this moment. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Um, it is but. because I am, I've been very vocal. Even when she was on her first two seasons, she is producer forced. She is a queen that sure. She is talented. She does what she does well, but it's in disadvantage to the rest of the cast. Also it's um, disadvantage for her because I actually liked Eureka this season for the most part. There were yeah. times where I thought she got a little pushy, but for the most part, she genuinely seemed more humble this time around. Right, and and I really do think if you go back to a couple episodes where she placed high or placed in a position of safe, you're like, but why? And now you understand, well, this is why, because she would have been eliminated a lot sooner if her track record was what it surely, truly should have been. But the producers like her. More flashbacks to the beach ball. Exactly, exactly. Well... We have a corporate-sponsored mini-challenge tying into Pride just a few months too late. The hard-working drag queens get to experience their own Pride as they get to make over the Levi Pride line into their own Pride look. The queens have 30 minutes to get their Pride on, and this is literally me during Pride where I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing, splat. <laughs> it was so authentic in a way though i will say like it like it really does remind me of when i was like a youth going to like youth pride being like what do i have that's gay that my parents don't know is gay like <laughs> yeah yeah well ginger is serving southern fried pride with a she her t-shirt turned crop top with stones everywhere oh and she is lit because she is showing her titties kylie looking super fine looks like she could model for levi's it's the wig. The wig really made that look like actually really good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like normal, Raja is looking cheap tonight. She's just got everything on like a Hell's Kitchen gay because they have to fit in with all of their friend groups. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> um, 
Also, does anyone know who the demon twink is? Can we like get that identity revealed? Like, if 2020 ends and we don't know who the demon twink is, like, doesn't that feel like a failure? Yeah, I feel like the demon twink should be like one of the guest judges on Drag Race. I agree. I agree. (laughs) Um, Also, like, I'd like to have fun with the demon twink. He seems like a good time. Yeah. Are we positive it's not you? I I I plead the fifth. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, Trinity is super stylish, cutting up those jeans to have front cutouts and sporting a super crop top and jean jacket. Hers, in my opinion, is my favorite. I just felt like it was the most fun. And, she and, also and was at a sewing machine sewing it, putting it together. Was. She was the in only 30 minutes. one. Yeah, 30 minutes fully went to the sewing machine and was like, well, here we go. <laughs> and Eureka is trash. That's it. Same shtick as always. The ass is exposed and that's Eureka. That's all I got. Yeah. Um... Rue is filled with pride, but only one can win. The person is Kylie. She wins the entire Levi 2021 Pride Collection. And Raj just wants some free jeans. I don't blame you. They're expensive. Do we really want the Pride line? Like, how much is she actually going to use? Sell it on eBay, Kylie. Get some coin for it. Sign it. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. Well... Rue reveals that the maxi challenge is to entertain them with true stories from their life as a drag queen in a show called The Charisma, Uniqueness, Nerve, and Talent Monologues, clearly a send-off of the Vagina Monologues. Um, They will be judged on their storytelling and their ability to tell a story that gives them the feels and then gives them life. They will test their material out in front of Alec Mappa and Jermaine Fowler of Secret Celebrity Drag Race fame, a.k.a. Miss Mimi Teapot. Now, I have a question. Based on the information I just shared from the episode that came out of RuPaul's mouth, what do you gather is the key judging element? What kind of monologue are they looking for? I feel like they're looking for something that like has, is built around heart at like the okay. end of the day. Like for if I was going into a challenge like that, like yes, like I want to be funny because I know it's drag race, but I feel like the center of the story has to almost have a moral. It has to be like Aesop's fables, where it's like mm-hmm. like you have like you start with maybe this catastrophe, but you like find a way to like bring it together to be like so that your story can be opened up to other people. I mean, that's so the that's- whole point of the vagina monologues. I saw it when I was in university. Same thing. There were very funny monologues, but they all had heart. Okay. Good to know. Because that's how I interpreted it as well. We'll see if that's how the judging panel will interpret it later. Spoiler, they won't! It's not! (laughs) Anyway. The queens are at the table writing their monologues. It's the cunt monologues, after all. Eureka, they found her again. She's back. So how does she feel? Well, she was nervous how they were going to react. She loves all the queens, but she's happy to be there. Raja, she is also happy to get to see her get this opportunity, but says, don't get too comfortable. The writing is on the wall. They all know how this show is produced. Um, yeah, this was uncomfortable to watch because... You can't tell your sister who you just gotten close with after 10 weeks. No, bitch, you shouldn't be here. You were eliminated. Well, I think, so this is one thing I've noticed just as Drag Race has gone on over the years. The drama, while we do have dramatic moments, it's not really as fiery as it was in the past. No, and a lot of it all. is because the queens are really afraid of losing fan base based on the show because the fans are the, one of the most toxic parts of the show. And so on the one hand, I appreciate that the queens are genuinely treating each other with respect, but I do kind of miss that like just fun TV drama that we don't really have anymore because of how shitty the fans are. 
exactly. Eureka knows that they could have very well just vote her right back out if she doesn't win the challenge. She didn't come back here just to go home the next day. Ginger points out that this challenge is right up Eureka's alley because it's about talking about herself. <laughs> Bloop. Last Ginger. Trinity ain't saying nothing. Her feelings have nothing to do with Eureka because she knows that if she doesn't succeed, based on track record, if Eureka does better than her, she's out. If this doesn't gut you, you don't have a heart because this got me. This bothered me a lot because I saw the writing on the wall. I knew it was coming. Yeah, I definitely did too. And I felt really bad because they also were both really close this season. And it's exactly. Like, it's also just like, it's almost like they wanted it to turn into drama for good TV but they settled for just like sending home Trinity. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Trinity knows how close she is to the final. She's scared because she has had the most bottoms, but let's remember that there is no consistency when it comes to bottoms in this game. There are weeks when we see that they are all bottoms, but this cast has declared track record as gospel and Trinity is self-aware to admit that that will be her downfall. Um, as someone who preaches the Survivor playbook, listen, it would have been a completely different season if the, if this cast went in as alliances. That season 11 cast would have steamrolled. They would have gotten Jan out when Silky went home. They could have gotten Jan out when Scarlet went home. They didn't. They played track record. And you know what? Sure, we have a top four and top five that are filled with people who we like and deserve to be there. But isn't that what this season was all about? Is all these queen getting redemption? Um, so it wouldn't have mattered if they all got there, except for Serena. She's the only one who shouldn't have. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's time to rehearse with Alec Mappa and Jermaine Fowler. Um, as Raja says, the coaching session with the lost Jackson brothers. Cute, funny. Raja is going to share a story about how, as a baby queen, you couldn't tell her she wasn't the only piece of tuna that walked into the room, and then she looks at her notes. And she is struggling to get the words out. And this is going to almost be the same exact point what happens in the actual um, presentation. Jermaine says that no one wants to see a performer glued to words. It's not what you remember. It's how you feel. Be in the moment. Raja says that she has never done anything like this before. Jermaine tells her she has to connect to the audience and be in the zone. Interesting editing here. Um, because we've seen Raja do well speaking. But she is also someone who does fumble words quite often. Mm -hmm. It's almost just a way of speech. You know, some people are just fumbly the way they talk too. It's exactly. not always like, like an intentional thing. Sometimes it's just a speech pattern. Right. And that is definitely Raja O'Hara. That is mm -hmm. even in every confessional, she is always searching for words. Um, makes it interesting and funny to watch because she's always uh, enjoyable uh, playing yeah. around. But <laughs> for this kind of monologue, that's not the tea. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Kylie reminds us that Alec Mappa made a guest appearance on Drag Race Season 2 5,000 years ago during her Snatch Game, a.k.a. her elimination episode. We do see the flashback to Alec say that he didn't think there was any Gaga character in Kylie's performance. So Kylie knows she has to impress him and show him that she's not the same girl from Season 2. She's not. She's, she, she's very different. Oh, very. Yes. Kylie says she's not a storyteller by nature, but in eighth grade, she was embarrassed to speak in front of the class and she never wanted to speak again. Okay, so listen, I love Kylie so much, but Kylie sometimes will 
tell a story that has nothing to do with anything just to tell a story. And her sharing about eighth grade was like, but that was a long time ago. You were in eighth grade longer than I was in eighth grade a long time ago. And I was in eighth grade a long, long time ago. So Kylie, this has nothing to do with anything. Oh, Kylie. Ugh. It's just like when she was talking about um, how she was in a play uh, um, in church when she was a child. That has nothing to do with you as an adult. So why are we telling these stories? But it's heartwarming. It's, it's cute to see her try to relate to everything when sometimes just you don't always have to be relatable. I mean, I don't relate to her at all. She's just beautiful, so. <laughs> she, she is. That, that's the team. She is going to tell the story of her first time she did drag. It's interesting because Kylie doesn't have levels as a performer in this kind of uh, uh, battle. Her talking to them casually is the same as her storytelling voice. Not a bad thing, just a thing to note. Uh, sometimes it's too, sometimes being too colloquial can be a hindrance in this, this sort of challenge. At least that's my opinion when you critique theater, which is essentially what this is supposed to be, but more on that later. Yeah, they definitely picked and shoot, picked and choose, chose, choose. They like pick, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, like who they were like, oh, you were too conversational. Oh, you like, they definitely like were a little bit like flip floppy with their critiques exactly. in that regard. Kylie seems to captivate Alec and Jermaine. Uh, this is a redemption story for Kylie, and this was a way for her to celebrate uh, who she is. Alec tells her to think about putting the end toward the beginning as it will show who she is then and now, and they shouldn't resemble each other. Take them on a journey. That was a good critique, actually. Critique. I really liked that. that yes. Yeah. Trinity is giddy and comes with, in with her wild pants. I don't know where she got them, but those were like drag queen um, come shot. She is still in her feelings, but monologues are the story of herself told in a theatrical way. Now, this is important because that what Trinity just said is my personal view of what a monologue is. Uh, this isn't stand-up. This is an improv. A monologue is fully realized with precise words and attributes. We will get into why one of them was not this later. <laughs> Trinity is going to be sharing the story of how she was catfished because of her drag. We see her with a lot of energy and engagement, She's got humor. She's got the edge there, but she wants to remind us that she attempted to do stand-up in the first challenge, and while this isn't stand-up, she just wants to make the judges laugh. Jermaine tells her to not speed past the premise and setups and let the judges dissect and digest. Good critique, because Trinity yeah. does speak a little fast, and things do get lost. I'm that way as well. There, there's a reason why the Benadryl is probably a good thing for me to have, because I, it does slow down my speech pattern a little bit. But um, I thought Trinity did very well here. And um, it's going to take a lot more than editing to believe that she wasn't the best here. Yeah, I think I really think she did really good. And like, especially in the rehearsal too, like out of like everyone, her and Ginger, I would say, had like the strongest rehearsal. Yeah. Well, but again, we're not surprised by... It, it, exactly. Speaking of Ginger, who is too short for the stool, launches into her monologue. Alex chimes in and tells her that it sounds very pageanty and wants it to be like she is talking to her friends and doesn't want it to sound like writing. Okay, so contradictory to the other advice, but fun fact, this is lifted from Ginger's solo show that I actually saw and reviewed at the Lori Beachman Theater. But again, more on that later. Alex tells us that if 
it sounds like writing, you lose him as an audience. You don't see the authenticity or, or vulnerability and takes him out of the story. Fair, but also like, isn't that the point of a monologue? Yeah, it's, I mean, I do think it's a fine line to like walk along, but it's also like, this is also your like rehearsal. So I feel like a lot of the times during like the rehearsal periods for, cause like I've done theater myself, it, it can be a little bit like line reading until you really, sure. until you're in the full look, especially. Cause I feel like a lot for a lot of performers, the look, especially in drag, takes you that extra moment so that it's not reading off the page. Fully, fully. Well, Eureka comes out and tells the story of the shitty kitty. It's a poop story. Um, Eureka goes very theatrical. And if you're mad at Ginger, bitch, this is writing. This is more writing and, and theatricalized than what you just saw, Alec Mappa. Um, but Alec is fine with the subject matter, but needs to help her through standards and practices. So clearly they thought this was going to be on VH1 and not a streaming platform. You know, well. <laughs> Alec tells her it's less about poop and more about getting over the humiliation. But you know, some guys are into that. Don't know, no king shaming here. Jermaine says that this is a story about a metaphor. And sir, I ask you, what pray tell would that be? I mean, I get the like idea of like getting over shame, but I will get into it later when we actually talk about yeah. it. If deep is what they're going for, Eureka may need to rethink her story choice. Again, interesting editing here because they're making us feel like Eureka's not going to do well. And based Which, on things we've seen on other shows, this story shouldn't go over well. Rue's got a problem with piss, but not poop. <laughs> oh, Rue. Oh, Rupal. Or et cetera, et cetera. All right. Elimination day. Yes. Today, they're about to hit the stage with their cut monologues. Raja is nervous. There are only five left, and they all want to be in the finale. One slip up, and you could be going home. She's Effie. She's not going. Raja tells Eureka that her, about her tuck story. It, it's her chance to have fun. Eureka says to Raja that she's pooped herself and because she ate the wrong kind of corn dogs. Um, are you a fan of corn dogs? Um, not anymore. <laughs> in the past yes but also like i know better you know mm -mm. convenience so, store food is always a no-go speaking of she didn't say it but we're assuming it's probably 7-eleven right oh definitely definitely <laughs> or well do they have wawas further down south i know I they have them because so. i know they're popular in like delaware and some places yeah. i wasn't because i know wawa has a lot of like that fast food as well but Wawa is amazing. No one insult Wawa. It's just glorified 7-Eleven. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Eureka is freaking out because she uh, is going to tell a crass story, uh, but she is the best when she does Eureka. That's what producers tell her, not the fans. <laughs> Clearly, this is a hate on Eureka podcast because I'm just not happy with the result. Trinity is feeling the pressure because one win... One will win and the rest are on the chopping block. She knows her and Eureka are not solidified in their spots. Trinity is having to have this intimate conversation with Kylie about could she be going home? And you know what? All I hear in the background is Eureka being loud talking about, no joke, Arby's. Go back and listen to that conversation. You can hear Eureka talking about Arby's. Bitch, go home! Go eat Arby's on your own! Uh, it's, it's unfortunate because like I... I feel like 
the with the way that they've pushed Eureka onto us yet again. It's like I liked Eureka throughout most of the beginning, but like it was almost like after the comeback, I was a little tired. Like this I episode agree. for me was the like straw that broke the camel's back. I agree. Kylie doesn't agree with Trinity that anyone's spot is solidified, but Trinity is still having self-doubt. Kylie tells her that this is a place they should be celebrating and not get caught up with, with the what-ifs. Ginger can taste the crown. Raja gets emotional because this is not what like, she experienced last go-around. But to make the moment about her, Eureka is going to have a few words with her husband, Trinity. Eureka tells her that even though she knows it's jokey and flirty and fun, the cute attention that Trinity gives her is really and special to her and very important. She doesn't get that a lot out of Dragon. It means it has meant more to her than she knows. Trinity tells her that she is sweet and she is husband boyfriend material because she's cuddly and ship. Um, does Kylie sense a marriage proposal? No, because us big boys never get our crush, but maybe one day. I'm holding out hope for my Aussie husband, but we'll see. I This was the only moment where I related to Eureka because this is what I go through also. Um, I, it's not very I, real. Yeah. Um, I definitely have people in my life who I can be flirty with, but I know it will never happen because they will never be into me. And just like the inkling of showing some sweet affection that Trinity has shown Eureka, it means a lot to someone like us. And that is the authenticity that I want to see out of Eureka. I don't want to see her screaming, yelling, and pooping. This is the real person Eureka is. And I don't know if she's just been caught up on reality television persona, but there is a big difference between Eureka and the person inside. Yeah. And I think Eureka's elimination episode two was a lot more, like had a lot more sentiment, honestly. Like, I agree. With, so it's, un- it's just, it's really unfortunate because like the weird thing too about that moment is it felt out of place with everything going on that episode. It was such Absolutely. a nice moment, but it felt so just weirdly cut into place. It really, really did feel like she knew she was going to win no matter what. And she knew Trinity was going home. So she this was the last opportunity for her to tell her this. Yeah. Ginger notes that this is their last judging decision that they have to make. They have to determine who makes it to the finale. One slip up and all of their hard work is tossed out the window. Kyler reminds us that one of them in that room is going to win the whole damn thing. And I think she said that. And I think the producers put that in because she's going to win. I'm, I, I will talk about it more later, but I'm very team Kylie. So. Me too. <laughs> Rue struts out on that runway looking like she's a 60s housewife out on the town. Though I do not like the nude illusion. It didn't match her skin tone whatsoever, so it felt a little wrong. But I saw that look. I was like, I swear I've seen Poison Envy wear something cute like that before. I really, I liked it. I didn't like the nude illusion. I knew why yeah. it was there. But yeah, they definitely yeah. should have gone darker. I loved that hair, though. That hair yeah. was so pretty. It was very similar to the pink one she wore earlier this season, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think it's the one in the promo cover as well, but yeah. it's it just looks so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michelle is joined by Carson Cressley and writer-director of Dear White People fame. It's Justin Simeon wearing the same blazer that I have in teal that I got, got off of Amazon. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we are going to discuss the charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent monologues. Um, we will talk about each one of them kind of broadly. Um, so feel free to share your opinions as we go along. Oh, yes, I will. Now, I want to do something where we talk about the setup first. The stories are very much set up like a coffeehouse slam poetry readings of the 90s. They are all in black director's chairs, given snaps instead of claps. 
I find this interesting because of the result we're going to get. They're they're theatricalizing it, and yet that's the the thing that they don't reward. Yeah, it's very weird. It's almost like they're. It almost feels like a mockery by the end of the episode. Yes. So the first story is called Bamboozled by Trinity K. Bonet. She has got that houndstooth suit on with that sexy pussycat wig. She is going to wear that out forever. Um, the story is about her getting catfished by a fan, and she is very detailed in her story. She's got a good amount of levels and dynamics and uses the stage rather than parking at the mic to tell the story. She's got some funny moments, and then when she does turn to the HIV-positive reveal, it is quite poignant. Her story about how she saves someone and then turns it to how Rue saved her and this person, that, for me, was such good writing and storytelling. This was my favorite, as she had the series of emotions and still ended with a funny bang. I agree. It also, like, as, like, the judges even said later, it had these twists and turns that I didn't see coming. And, like, I love that in a good story. I don't want to sort of know where it's going to go. And it was just, it was nice. It just, like, made me feel good at the end. Yeah. I almost wonder if she didn't do stand-up in that first challenge, would this have been more of a home run? Because we saw her bomb doing something similar. But I don't know. This isn't stand-up. She told a monologue. She gave you a good story. She took us on a journey. What was wrong with it? Yeah, I I didn't see it. That's the thing. Yeah. Kylie's story is called First Time. Uh, she is sitting in the stool, and she's very much at ease at the microphone. Her writing was very short and I think could have been amped up uh, in the writing department a bit and brought a few more dimensions into her writing. But what she did have was a good hook um, because she is someone that we want to know the backstory. We want to know the person before we saw uh, her on season two. In the middle of the story, she does break character a bit and that's when you can tell she feels most content and at ease. I wish she would have revealed it a little bit sooner and a little bit more, but when she did get up from her chair and in the world of direction, that is the moment when she felt free. That's the moment in her story where she felt free as a person and liberated. And that is good theater, whether she did it intentionally or did it um, because that's what she told herself to do. It was very, very smart. And that's not something I saw out of any of the other contestants. Yeah. I really, I really liked her story too. Like I definitely think, Trinity's was stronger but like there was just so much like there was again it had that heart that you needed those types of stories and the thing that the vagina monologues do really well is that there are the stories that are really over the top but there are these more nuanced ones that maybe they aren't the ones that like you're like screaming at the end of you're like wow 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 but they still like find a different part of your heart to hit and I feel like Kylie did that What's, what's interesting is that they were initially told that they want stories about their experiences in drag. Obviously, what we want to hear out of Kylie is not necessarily her drag stories, but her stories as a transgender woman in society. That wasn't going to work with this monologue. So she kind of was at a disadvantage of what material she, should, she could select. So material-wise, this did feel like a weaker option, but it was just the way she was able to explain how drag means something to her, even as a transgender woman, that's where the power came in. And, and also, if I'm not mistaken, she wore like a cute little blonde wig for that, right? 
Yes. Because she talks about putting on the cute blonde wig. Right. Like, so and that's, that's where the theatricality thing. needed a little more. Like if I were to direct her, that's where we would go in rehearsals and really play around with those little peaks. And, yeah, and little I noticed, but you could have made it more obvious, like right. even like tousling the hair. A little because bit. if you want to, if you want to know who's going to do that, right. We're going to talk about it right now. It's my Ruby slippers by Ginger Minge. Um, this is from her solo show. The fact that I remember this story and almost word for word, know that this is exactly what she did means it is a great story. Um, in a world of theatrical monologues, Ginger nailed it out of the park. She has great ease to the way she's able to paint a story on stage. I personally don't have any negative critiques to say because this is what I thought the challenge was meant to be. She was really comfortable to listen to also. Like that's the, like, so Ginger was my personal favorite out of the whole group. And while I love Trinity's, I think Trinity's was a little bit, it was almost pushing that theatricality, mm-hmm. which is fine. I still loved her monologue, but Ginger like held it back just enough where yeah. like it almost kept you on the edge of your seat. She wasn't when, going. Oh. Yeah. When she did the Ruby slipper reveal, it was a strong cherry on top to end the story. I do wonder if she knew this was going to be a challenge or if she just happened to bring them with her. I feel like she might've just brought them with her because she likes those little kids. She likes those yeah. tiny heels a lot. That's fair. Next up, we have Bunny Tail by Raja O'Hara. She is wearing purple because that is her thing. Okay, she fine. looks so good. She always she looks did good. Look, she did, though, look like a baseball bat in a wig. She, she needed more boobies. She, I don't care about titties. I agree. Well, she stumbled, and while she was able to recover, she did have hesitation, and you can tell when she was freaking out because there were some extra breaths between statements. Um, Miss Victoria Lee Mack as her first name and having it as another story for another day was a great hook to want more. Obviously, um, we've heard that that's a story for another time uh, from Taste before, um, and we heard how that backfired because she used that as her crutch. Raja did it once and still got us engaged. Raja was very physical in her presentation. It was okay, but at points there was, it felt like desperation because she wasn't sure what else to do. Yeah, sometimes when you're a little bit wor- like nervous, you tend to do more to overcompensate. Um, in my opinion, like the weakest presentation, I would say, of the monologue, what yeah. I would say is Raja's. But the moral of the story is don't use masking tape to tuck. Now, I got to ask you, Raja, who the fuck was this bitch backstage who told you, okay, use masking tape. Don't use duct tape. What? Who, who sabotaged this bitch? That was pure sabotage. That I did like her ending though. That was very funny. It was like a funny way to end it. Exactly. I, again, but the thing that her story lacked compared to the Bat Hash Three is it didn't really have a heart. It was a cute story. Right. And finally, Eureka rounds us out with a benefit for Boom Boom. Also, do we know how the order was determined? I don't believe so. I don't think they. Act- I think it was probably producer decided. That's important because usually when there's a mini challenge attached to something like this, it's always the winner. I do not believe Kylie Sonia Glove put this order together. This okay. was this was not smart if she did. She would have thrown Ginger up first or right. fin- or ending. Ginger would have either been beginning or close because obviously. Now I do I ask this question because I do have an issue with it if it is producer decision because. <laughs> 
it's it's not fair. It's not not fair. It's 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 not not. I I can't. I'm not, yeah. I can't support it. But she's dressed up as a Playboy bunny because I guess she had no other drag left. I don't know. Um, Eureka is giving you Eureka. There is little theatricalization. She is huffing her way through the story. She needed more time to rest. Her pacing was way too fast. Um, does a bear shit in the woods? Heck yeah was a line that she gave us. It was foreshadowing of the real of the story. Smart or bad writing? I still don't know. Because that's, I feel like, something she would colloquially say. Yeah, it, it was hard. I think the other issue I had with a lot of it is, again, as you said, like, she felt like she needed more time. It did feel like a long story. Yeah. Because it, it felt like, oh, now is the moment we, now is the shit moment. And they were like, oh, no, something else has to happen. It, exactly. It, yeah. It, I didn't see a change at the end of the story, but she did tell a shit story on international television. So that happened. Yeah. It also had, in terms of like moral, like, like obviously Raja's probably had like the single weakest moral because there was no right. moral. Like the moral was just like more functionality. Her moral was there, but it was almost like an afterthought. It was like the last line of her story. Like that could have been like a bigger chunk of your story could have been the back. So if you really wanted to run with that story, Focus on the backstage portion because that, for me, is more interesting. Right, and and that's what is interesting about what we saw during the rehearsals with Alec and Jermaine, because they wanted her to have have more heart and everything. She chose not to, and it didn't backfire. So, yeah. what was this challenge supposed to be? Mm-hmm. But let's move on to part two of the day. It is category. Oops, I did it again. The fashionable fashion fail. In honor of the runway and in honor of Eureka's story, we are going to play Oopsie or Poopsie. Oh, cute. (laughs) All right. First up, Trinity K. Bonet. No designers listed. Whether this was in her closet and she just had to adjust it for the challenge or she wanted to tell a pageant story, she looked um, stunning. Sure, it would have been nice to see the oops a bit sooner, but as far as a fashion fail, this happens more than you realize. Safety pins in the back. And to make them exaggerated and as large as they were was a smart choice. Yeah. I think the purple is a stunning color on her and the hair was just right. I, I got nothing. I like it, but for me, it's a very soft oopsie. It's, sure. Again, like she looks incredible, but I do agree with the judges that in my opinion, it felt like the oopsie was the afterthought almost. Right. Um, just again, says- it reminds me... Sorry, it reminds me of the last time she wore a pageant gown. She wore that like red one. Like yeah. it looked great, but it like it felt like this is what I have for that red one. Exactly, exactly. Justin says he was happy that they got a good ending and it was filled with twists and turns he did not expect. Carson says that getting her timing and comfort level was a little off kilter at the beginning. He wanted her to give them a little more time to laugh. Michelle says that the runway was not an oops, but it just beautiful and wish the oops was more obvious. That's all valid, except I don't agree with Carson. I don't agree with Carson either. I really, I thought she was fine. I thought her pacing was like almost comparable to remember like back on her own season when they had the stand-up challenge, she did very well. It had that same sort of like flow, like, yeah, you're on your toes, but that was almost the way the story needed to be told. I agree. And that's, that's the thing. It's like, this isn't stand-up. This isn't here to make the audience laugh. This is here to tell a story. Why are you now contradicting what the the challenge was to her? Because she did it. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give this an oopsie, but I agree it's a very soft one. Um, I still like it. I'm not. I'm not yeah, gonna say no. It's I agree. Bad. <laughs> yeah. 
Audience was 74% oopsie, 26% poopsie. Next up is Raja O'Hara, look by Raja. I do love the stories she was able to tell, and that is part of the performance of a runway challenge. I think the color was an excellent choice, and the nude illusion was just right, like excellent. Yeah. Um, when she is standing still, the garment is just clinging to her. Well, I guess the question is, where's the rest of it? Shouldn't it be like present if that's like, if she didn't get the whole thing on? Then it's just I mean, a piece of fabric wrapped around her. I understand the logistics, but I'm just pointing it out. Um, for me, if she is going to win, I'm going to need a lot of understanding from the supporters because I think she has just floated by and got away with the storyline of making all of her stuff. Sometimes that's cool, but her, for me, her taste level is so meh. And that's just Raja. And that's what this was. I So this was one of my like more favorites of her runways. Like there's definitely been other runways in the past and other moments in the past where I feel like she's coasted and or only been out of the bottom because RuPaul threw in their RuPaul laughter to get her by certain challenges. Yes. Um, cough, cough, snatch game. Yes. Um, however, um, I really did like this because mm -hmm. I think the part of the, I feel like this runway compared to like all the other ones is one where you can really get away with like wearing less glamorous stuff, but making it work. Yep. And I feel like she told this, like her and Ginger told the story the best. I agree. No, I have, I have nothing wrong with the, this look. I, I will give it an oopsie. I think it was great. Uh, I'm just pointing out like when she is stationary, you're like, well, okay, now it doesn't make sense. But that's just like a little, little tiny thing. Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Now that you point that, that's fair. Michelle says her story made her chuckle, but she did stumble. Carson did notice when she did look up to find what to say next. He wanted her to be more conversational about it. She sold her runway with her acting. Justin says they are not here for the lines, but they are here for her. He calls her a superstar and calls her leg an all-star. And Rue asks her if she made the look, and she says yes. Everything she has worn in the runway, she has made, and that's important. And Rue said that simply because we are going to hear that next episode, I'm sure. Yes. Stuff. I'll give it an oopsie. It's it. Re, she really sold the runway. Um, I'm just being nitpicky because we are in the top five, and that's what we are here to do. So it's true. No, it's definitely an oopsie. The audience agrees. Ninety-one percent oopsie, nine percent poopsie. Kylie, so Nick Love, look by Howie B, heels by Jeremy Scott. As someone who doesn't know California mall culture, I didn't know this was a takeoff of the hot dog on a stick stand. What I got was the fast food rockers. So if you are familiar with the fast food song. This is what I saw. Um, no matter what, this was fun and fashion. The ketchup and mustard splats were so fun and the red hair with the yellow gloves tied it all together. She always looks good. You have to give it to her. And even with the shoes being multicolored, but where did she get that corn dog? Where was she sticking that thing? I, I don't know. That's a magic trick that I, do, <laughs> I don't know if I want the answer to. Yeah. But no, I really like this look too. It was, it was very fun. You know what it reminded me of? The McDonald's girls from Fifth Element. Uh huh. I very much had that. It's the hair. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Really cute. No, I feel like it's a look you would wear. Uh, yeah, I know it has that little like vintage or like '50s sort of flair to it, like a very like retro '50s, so to yeah. speak. I really liked it. Um, I do wish that there was splatters on the body. I actually disagree with glitter splatters because that was one thing the judges said. I right. think it would have been cool. If she made little latex applicators. That would have been cool. But that just would have that would have for me made it made it a more obvious oopsie because for me yeah. it was just like it didn't quite it was a little bit it was it was another soft oopsie which yeah. 
I agree. But she looks so good. She did. Carson says she is a natural born storyteller. She painted us a word picture and it was well written and well told. He thinks that he wanted more of her and didn't want her um, uh, singing. What is, I don't what, like that's the typo. I don't know what that means. Oh! Justin oh. said she took a risk by sitting down and it paid off. She made him lean into her and um, dared to be vulnerable. Didn't want her sitting. That's what it was. <laughs> I figured it out. Michelle says she was heartbroken and thanks her for the story. She calls the runway fun, but want a glitter ketchup or glitter mustard. I agree. It, it's it's great. It's not her best. It's not her weakest. It's right in the middle. It's an oopsie. Oh, yeah, it's an oopsie. Oh, absolutely. Audience, 65% oopsie, 35% poopsie. Next up, we have Ginger Minge. Uh, no designers listed because I guess you've posted other things before this look. Anyway, I love the story she was telling with the curling iron and all the burn marks. This was really a magical moment, and that's what separates Ginger from the others. Like, how did she have the smoke? Um, that was just so cool. It was uh, so it, cool. It was really a bit matronly, personally, for me, even though she was saying she was like kind of prommy, but that's fine. But th this is why Ginger is great at what she does. She is camp. She knows who she is, and she doesn't try to be anything else. She knows what she's good at. I agree. Yeah, there's um, there's a few things I would have changed. If she wanted to do prom, I would have had like ruffles added. Like I would have yeah. had like a ruffle petticoat. I would have nipped it just a bit more at the waist. Because Ginger is good at like at like framing her body, and I'm sure she was padded correctly underneath. Oh, absolutely! This. But it it was a slightly boxy. It did flare out, thankfully. And the little jacket piece, I felt didn't really fit prom. But like I got the story she was telling, and again, like there's fashion elements I would have changed, but it doesn't mean she didn't nail the runway. She still nailed exactly. the runway theme. She had the burn marks. She had the like curling iron. And there were also pink glitter burn marks, by the way, yep. which was hysterical. Yep. Carson says the look was funny and she nailed the challenge of the runway. He calls the performance excellent and relatable. He cautions her that it doesn't sound real because it was so polished. Justin says the tricky thing is saying the same thing over and over again and acting like it just popped into her head. She was best when she was paused to feel the feeling. Michelle says the story was magical and wished for every different child that they had that moment could happen for them. I um, really am upset with those critiques because it contradicts literally everything. Yeah, I was very much like, I don't see where you're getting any of this. I really think this was their way of saying, we know you should have won, but we can't give you the win. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I agree. Um, I don't. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm very disappointed. I The look, I'll give an oopsie. I think it was great. She did a great job. Um, I'm just really, really upset by Carson this episode. Me too. Me too. The audience, 69% oopsie, 31% poopsie. Finally, we have Eureka wearing Marco Marco. Like I said before, Marco Marco can do amazing things, but not on Eureka O'Hara. Uh, hair by Wigs and Grace, Jewels by Rocks by Cox, Nails by Nails by Glamazon. So here's the team. The story of this look is the hair. She's going for the windblown idea, but the problem is that it wasn't carried through the entire outfit. We have seen Chelsea Boy. We have seen Joe Black do the windblown look. They have both succeeded. This, for me, was a half-assed joke. The look itself was fine. I, I don't really see camp. I just see all the superlatives she got in the mini challenge in week two, two weeks ago, thrown together in this look. For me, this look needed to be head over heels better than all of the looks to deserve to stay it was not yeah it felt very sloppy 
Also, mm-hmm. this was like the third or fourth time there's been Cinderella references. Yeah. Which I know they obviously don't compare beforehand. Like I know, like obviously, like I can't fault her for that. That's just almost coincidence. Yeah. But like, yeah, it felt very sloppy. Like I thought if you were going for like there was also too many little things going on. If you were going for pit stains, I would have worn just a gorgeous gown with the biggest pit stains you've yeah. ever seen. Like if you're gonna go for that route route you go for that route if you're gonna go for like the toilet paper thing like go have like a gorgeous pantsuit with the toilet paper like there is too many little elements all thrown into one and it's like yeah. like it was very much like taking every everything you own throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks right and this I agree. time not it all stuck because she's sweating yeah justin had big, big expectations for her and she blew him away he called her vulnerable. He never felt he was listening to a monologue, but getting good tea from a friend. Carson says that hers, more than anyone, felt very conversational. It was very funny. Carson thinks this looked a little story. Michelle says that she couldn't take her eyes off of how beautiful she looked. So then I ask again, why call it monologues if you just said it was conversational and never felt like listening to a monologue? I also love that-, that Mich- I love that Michelle just chooses to be real and be like, you were just so beautiful. Like that, that was a read. God bless Michelle Visage. Yeah, you're wearing a leotard, but you look beautiful. Um, I um, just really, really was disappointed by these critiques because like I, like I asked you earlier, why Rue said what she did. That's what I thought we were critiquing on. That's not what Eureka did. Yeah, Eureka just sort of made the challenge about her, which is like, it just, it wouldn't have flown if like, there wasn't a, like another like prerogative with this. What were the judges told the challenge was? Were they given the same introduction to the challenge that the Queens were? Because Justin and Carson did not say what was told to the Queens. They went the opposite direction and that's what was crowned for the episode. What? Why was there such inconsistency and how are we as viewers supposed to be okay with it? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's just, it's a shame because there were so many standouts that like, just because they weren't the loudest doesn't mean like they didn't do like a, a soaring performance. Also like the runway wasn't that good. No, it's, it's it, for me, it was the weakest runway. She needed to be better than everybody in every single element. She was not. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just very disappointed by this outcome. This look, I'll, I mean, I think it's clear it's a poopsie for me. Not a fan of it. Yeah, no pun intended. It's a poopsie. She got it. Audience, 49% poopsie, 51% poopsie. So very, very, very um, um, divergent nice. here. Yeah. Yeah. Rue has a problem with piss, but not a problem with shit. Eureka wins and I call bullshit. Yeah. Um, she is the top all-star of the week. She will win $5,000 courtesy of Levi's. And on behalf of her win, Levi's will be donating $5,000 to Outright Action International, which I think is amazing. Uh, They are a great organization. So congrats and thank you to Levi's for that. But they're at the point of the competition. If you're not top all-star, you're in the bottom. I'm fine with that. Like, that's the thing that we know. But when in a game of track records, this really is unfortunate that this is going to bite them in the ass. Yeah, it, it was also a shame because because they were going the track record route. If like so, Rika wins. We can't change that. That's not who I would have picked to go. Raja home. was the weakest. Yeah. Well, 
Eureka says it's been a long time coming for her to finally win a challenge. Must be that contract, honey. Um, she is the first queen on All Stars to go home, come back, then win a challenge to be in the final four. Congratulations. Eureka was terrified she wouldn't lip sync and then be sent right back home. She claims she worried, worked hard for the monologue in the whole season, but apparently no one else did. So screw that. It's all about Eureka. Ginger would rather keep cheersing to Eureka than talk about the thing they don't want to talk about. Who knows what the girls are going to do? Raja hates that she dropped the ball, but she is still fighting and she hopes Eureka sees her as the type of competition she wants to see in the top four. Eureka just drops the question of who does Raja think should go home instead of her. Um, and she just lays out Trinity because of inconsistency and her bottom. And Eureka says it's hard to see her gone. We, we, we've seen queens in the power position ask the losing queens who they think should go home. It's not new. This is something that's happened before. But the way Eureka does it, does it she, she has no shame just straight up being like, what do you think here? Yeah, she felt very much like it almost. And I don't think necessarily she did it to be offensive. I think Eureka in that place of stress flips into character and says, well, I'm going to be funny television. So I don't yeah. have to get serious. So I don't have to be sad. That's actually what it came off as, which is a shame because it came off super disingenuous. But I do think it was a, almost like a defense mechanism. Yeah. Trinity is feeling like she's going home. She's crying because she was so close and she worked so hard. She earned that top four spot. Ginger knows this isn't the end for her. And she tells Raj and Kylie there was nothing else she could possibly have done except shit herself today. So slight shade, but she's not wrong. What else was she supposed to do? Yeah. Kylie feels like her work has proven that she should be in the finale. So Zaddy Trinity talks to Eureka and tells her she loves her. She's happy that she's finally won, but she didn't expect to get so close. Eureka tells her that she thinks she's been defeated all day and she, sh she is sure she's been in the bottom several times, but at this point, so has everyone. Trinity wants to be there and wants to go to the finale to help Eureka learn the choreography. And I think Trinity did all she could do in this moment and be be friendly and, and work that relationships that she has. Cause that was going to be her only saving grace here. Yeah. Eureka then frames her question to Kylie as advice by asking who should go home next girl. Come on. That is so transparent. We know what you're doing here, but you know how to make Kylie feel good. So this is what you did. Kylie says based on track record, it's Trinity. Although she has won two challenges Eureka says that she's not the first person that comes to mind, but does she listen to her mind or does she listen to her heart? Finally, Eureka tells Ginger that it's nice to be in the winner's seat because everyone is so nice to her, even though she's still bossy, messy, and gassy. She tells her that she doesn't know how to pick the girls apart. So she tells Ginger, how about I just send you home? And Ginger's like, face crack? Ginger would actually kill her. Oh my God, yeah. Especially because I would say out of all of the performers this entire season, Ginger's the one that I feel like hasn't been edited at any point to be better or worse than she is exactly. she has just been ginger for better or for worse exactly well eureka is dressed like the clown that she is who will be the lip sync assassin it is season 12's jada essence hall notice how the chiron on the bottom didn't mention that she was you know the winner of season 12 shady in a moment of pure shade to kennedy davenport the song is good golly miss molly by Lil Richard. Oh my God. What I bet you 
uh, Kennedy Davenport was sitting at home being like, are you fucking serious? You made me lip sync to Fancy and you gave this bitch, Little Richard, fuck off. I know. Uh, fuck my drag. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. It was a fun lip sync. Yeah. Okay. So this was a weird one for me to watch because the editing was so heavily focused on Eureka, I think to help justify the decision that ultimately gets made. Jada embodied the song and Eureka was fun, but I guess with $20,000 on the, in the till, like you had to give the money out because what are the rules that the top all-star loses at this final challenge? Does it go to the winner? Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we they haven't might, had that before. I feel like they might just divvy up amongst like whoever remains or something. I, I don't know what they would do, but that's what I would do is if they lost, I would say, well, you don't get any money. We're going to divvy it up amongst the remaining four or something yeah. like that. Um, but I, I feel like that was part of the decision here. Um, I don't know. I, I just wasn't wowed by this performance by either of them. Yeah, I liked Jada a lot more because it felt like, no, it didn't have any stunts, but it at least felt like embodied. And she was like, I agree. Like, it felt like a cleaner lip sync. Eureka was fine, but it had like one little nose gimmick and like a few random stunts. She rolled around on the floor. Yeah. That's messy to me. Yeah. Like if you if it, if you were doing rolling on the deep or something where you could do something messy like that, but like this exactly. didn't, it didn't fit. I agree. Well, in an unsurprising effort to tell us Eureka deserves, deserves to be there, both Eureka and Jada win the, the win the lip sync, meaning both lip syncs, lipsticks will determine who is eliminated. Is it one queen? Is it two queens? Jada reveals that Trinity was the group's choice, and then Eureka reveals that she also chose Trinity. And I'm gutted. Um, this is not how it should have gone. Um, no. Rue does a surprise face, but let's be real, girl. You did this. You made this happen. It is your fault, RuPaul, Rand Paul, whoever you are. I don't care. It's your fault. What the crap, RuPaul? Exactly. Trinity is super proud of herself. She is a winner. She was in the on the top. TKB rocked the house. As she walks off, she says she was a four, but now she's a five again. It's funny. Cute. Let us go through Untucked a little bit, um, which is really just the kumbaya session of the final five. Eureka is excited to lip sync for $20,000, but then she realizes she might have to decide who goes home. Trinity prays that these bitches don't send her home. Eureka says it was cool to listen to everyone's story. She felt butterflies and was going to cry during some of them. Kylie asks if anyone has lost a tuck before, and Trinity tells the story of her doing Gaga's telephone. She's going off, and the audience is talking to each other, and she's got meat on her thigh, but the performance was sickening. Have you ever uh, popped a tuck in performance? Um, like, I'm sure a little, but like, I'm always so tidied up. Uh-huh. But like, I'm never untucked to the point where like anything's visible. So no, I would say no, not technically. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> Trinity tells Eureka she looks like she went to the Tonys but had corn dog before she got there and couldn't even accept her award. But she feels like she's Cinderella after midnight. There you go with that Cinderella reference. Ugh. Kylie finds that it is crazy that she was dressed as a corn dog and Eureka was talking about corn dogs. Then Ginger points out that Raja was talking about bunny tails and Eureka was dressed as a bunny. Coincidence? I think yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> coincidence. Eureka is excited to lip sync and that lip syncing with Silky gave her life. She is ready to live in the moment. They do joke that what if Silky is the next lip sync assassin because it would make total sense because she is assassin. 
do you think Silky would be back? I think they'll bring her back to do this again. Um, but I also think Silky's like, I'm not blowing my wad again. This we I got a legacy, let's hold off. Yeah, yeah, I feel like Silky might hold off, especially because, like, and it, it, unfortunately for Silky, there has been a lot of backlash against Silky toward like especially the Jan versus Silky, which is really a shame because right. Jan has blatantly said many times, like, don't throw hate towards my sister. Right. So I don't think she'll be back. I think she's content with what she's done. I agree. Raja takes the opportunity that they celebrate all the hard work they put in this season. Ginger gives a toast. One if I'm able, two at the most, three I'm under the table, four I'm under the host. That was cute. I like that one. Oh, that was cute. Yeah. Do you have a signature um, toast? Um, yes, I do. It's more of a cheers. It's more so when I'm doing shots with friends. It's um, now my Spanish is not very good. It's fine. Yeah. It's, um, si tu no pones, no puedes. Si tu no corres, no corres. Which means if you don't like tap the glass, you're not going to get laid. If you don't circle the glass or spin the set glass in a circle, you're not going to come. There you go. That's a good one. <laughs> Raja says that thinking about her on season 11 and getting emo- uh, eliminated halfway through, she did get to do Snatch Game. She won both design challenges. She's proud of herself. Again, this is grooming us for next week when we have to remember all these facts. Kylie is grateful because she went home at Snatch Game and then sitting next to the Snatch Game assassin, she held her own. Kylie was on four episodes of season two. She felt like her time was cut too short and she was hard on herself for years. She followed her heart and now she's here. Good things come to those who wait and hard work pays off. I swear I've seen one of those phrases on like those boards that you buy at like um, yeah and then your mom puts on the wall and you're like mom why do you have those yeah there's like an anchor spray painted in the corner <laughs> exactly ginger didn't last four episodes on all stars too even though she made it to the end of the season on seven coming back and making it past the hurdle she just wanted to get past episode three she knows she redeemed herself she has had high highs and low lows so close to the finish line she was better than she was before and made relationships with the girls and it's been fun to see everyone's journey if she wins the crown, it's going to mean a lot more than it would have before. Trinity wishes every queen could get the chance to do this. I'm assuming meaning all stars. It's monumental and the room is therapy. It's not about the money. It's about the craftsmanship. And I agree. And that's I why agree. I think we are very critical on the queens, um, especially in an all-star season, because you've had time to explore yourself. You've had time to explore the world. You've had time to see how you are perceived post-show. It's now taking all of that, combining it, and showing us the new artist you are. And you also have time to make connections, which is sometimes the hardest thing for you to do, especially the small town girl or small exactly. town performers, like when they get on their regular seasons. I agree. Roger says that people don't understand how hard it is to be a drag queen as they take in a lot just to try to live their dreams. She's grateful that the girls um, are still there and that they are people she can look up to. Trinity is glad she's gotten close and personal with the girls and that she can just text the bitch whenever she wants what they're doing. Ginger has never experienced this kind of thing um, the other two times she was there. She felt comfort and love from this group. She found her tribe, something RuPaul told her. The lip sync assassin is on site. Jada has her stuffed animal and I live. She's already in full face, ready to go. Did she just like get there late or was she like, I'm going to be the face and then I'm just gonna relax. I feel like she's just like, I just want to look good. I'm going to show up looking good. Yeah. She's nervous because she's coming back as a winner of Drag Race. It's the stuff you dream of. Eureka is officially in the top four and nothing can take that away. 
She has been waiting for this moment. She's excited to see her name on the box. She's won because she's got her name on a big old box. Good for you. But it was, it's not a pink furry box. No, 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 no. It's not a Pandora box. Nope. She's not fitting for the spot anymore. She's not fighting for the spot anymore. She's there. If Jada loses the lip sync, her reputation as a lip syncer is on the line. She's here to do what she is here to do. No hard feelings. It's just drag. I love that when you just say it's just drag because it pisses people off sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> There's no crying in drag. Oh, no, not if you're not wearing waterproof mascara. <laughs> we watch Eureka and Jada win and eliminate Trinity and it just doesn't get any easier. Trinity is devastated, but if you play the game fair, it was her time to go. We see that all the votes went to Trinity, but who do you think she voted for? Ooh. I don't know. I'm trying to think of who she would have sent. I think it probably would have been Raja. Yeah, if she was going to play the game, like, based on, like, track record, I suppose, and yeah. not pick yourself, um, probably. Unless we'll, she would... Yeah, yeah we'll or, see next week, I guess. Yeah, we'll see next week. We'll see if she... Maybe she threw in a big wig. Yes, yeah. for like whatever. Trinity has no regrets. She competed with all her might. She gave it her all. She says it sucks to be top four than top five, but it's true. But in reality TV, this is what happens, I suppose. Trinity says being in the top five means you have all the fixings to be the winner. She needed this to revamp Trinity, and she needed a second chance in the eye of the people. And I think she got that. I really, really do. Oh, I completely agree. Trinity reads the notes that were left for her. They are really sweet, and it means that she is really, in fact, going home. She does note that so many good things have to come out of this experience. She surprised herself. She's excited to see what the future holds. She conquered and succeeded. She's an all-star, and Rue, put her in the Vegas show. She's ready to do it. Or let her do her makeup. Yes, throw her in that Vegas show. She would, I mean, some of her, like, giant costumes, I want to see more of those. Yeah, well... The burning question, we started off every time, what is Trinity's legacy? I feel like just coming back into the competition, like still showcasing this like high caliber of drag that she showed on season six, but actually being comfortable in it and having fun with it. Yeah. Like she was enjoyable to watch because she wasn't constantly like, woe is me. I agree. Um, I think she has turned herself around. She has shown that she is a great entertainer. She has good television and she is an excellent drag queen. Yes. Um, could she have pushed herself in certain runways? Sure. Um, but I think when it comes down to being a robbed goddess, she is definitely that we've seen a lot of people hit that five spot and, and, and can be considered robbed. And she's got that slot. Um mm -hmm. I think she definitely is a fan favorite winner. Um, if you're going to vote fan favorite, Miss Congeniality, probably going to be Trinity K. Bonet. Um, and yeah, I am really upset to see her go. Uh, she wasn't my winner in the beginning, but she grew on me. She definitely showed me why she needed to come back for an all-star season. I agree. Yeah, she wasn't at first. My first pick, because I was thinking about her in the past season, and how would that affect her now? Right. It really didn't. That past Trinity K. Bonet, that like self-sabotaging Trinity K. Bonet really wasn't there. I agree. We're going country next week. Are you excited? I'm super excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, it just so happens we got four country bumpkins in our final four. So it's very fitting and coincidental that it's a country song this week for the finale. 
Yes, I'm very excited. Well, I ask it every time, and this is going to be the final one. After 11 episodes, the winner of the season is? I, as much as I love Ginger, and I think Ginger, like, performance-wise, has outshined pretty much everyone, I'm so team Kylie, it's not even funny. I am too. I think Kylie is who I went into the season with. I think Kylie has proven that she's done well. Um, I really would like to see Kylie win. I have looked at some of the statistics of the likes and everything on social media, and she is doing very well. Um, Raj is up there as well. Eureka is the bottom feeder. Um, The one thing that does scare me is there are rumors that there were eight endings filmed, which means there are multiple versions of a double win. Um, I don't want another double. I don't want a double. I agree. I think it cheapens um, the season. And if you're going to tell me that a double win for the first time would have been great here, fine. But we've already seen it. It's been done and it caused controversy. I think this would be terrible. I agree. Also, like, I just missed the drag seasons where, like, like, where there's a clear winner and there's no, like, other tomfoolery going around like it yeah i think eh. we're probably unanimous saying that if eureka were to win we'd be very disappointed is there anyone else you would be upset to see take the crown no i like the other three i i do like raja um i don't think she deserves to win i don't think so either and others do my my biggest issue is if you're going to say raja wins the season and then you're going to put her in the same sentence as like alaska and trixie and and I, I I don't see it. I don't think they are the same caliber. Um, and I think it will tarnish the all-star name for me personally. Did she do well and improve herself? Absolutely. Is she a finalist? She's there. Is she a finalist in my eyes? No. Um, so I would like to not see Raja win. And if that were to happen, it's going to be a very interesting podcast next week. Um, but I, um, I don't have good feeling that i'm going to be happy next week i really don't i want kyle to win but i i really am scared of a double win and i really don't want to deal with it i'm scared of a double win i'm scared of who they would double win it with because on the one hand like i just i I don't want a double win to begin with i want kylie but i would also be happy with ginger in terms of track record and overall performance well it is going to be interesting um we have a couple days away before our grand finale and the internet to get crazy but until then where can the listeners find you on social media venmo and any upcoming projects you got going on all righty well you can find me on twitter and instagram at pick your poise i'm also poison envy on facebook you can also find me at the hot twink one on dirty dirty twitter um, and I have a bunch of shows, so I'm going back up to Massachusetts for about a week and a half in September. And I'm also going to be in Massachusetts the entire month of October. So I have three shows coming up in September in Massachusetts. I have Austin Drag Gauntlet Cycle 4 premiere. I'm going to be helping out with that. I may also be performing. I think I might be featured in somebody's number. Cool. Um, I'm also going to be in drag, obviously. And then I have uh, Jello Wrestling, which will be on the 10th, um, 910. And then on 9-11, we have Barrowsmith, which is an Aerosmith tribute show. I think I'm the only drag queen. We have some other femme-presenting drag performers, but it's mostly kings and burlesque cool. for that. 
And then in October, I'm going to be doing Haunted Speakeasy at Sea in Boston Harbor on the first Saturday, that's the second of October. And then every following Saturday and the Sunday Halloween, I'm going to be in Salem doing Haunted Speakeasy at the Salem Town Hall. How exciting. And also yes. crazy that we're already talking about the fall. Yeah, I know. Oh, well. But if you want wow. to book me and you're from Massachusetts, I will be there all of October. So book me. There you go. Well, it is always a pleasure getting to chat with you. Say, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed this season. I'm happy to talk shit about it. The biggest thanks to Poison Envy for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundClutter, Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. 